you need to know who you are. Because if you're a firefighter who's hired to do systems planning, you're going to have a tough time. And vice versa, if you're a systems planner who has to go in and fight fires, it's just not going to be fun for you. And it's not going to be fun for the company. And it's not going to be a good relationship. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Pablo Kenny. Hey, Pablo. Hey there. Pablo is the Vice President of Product Strategy and Operations at Zendesk. Thank you so much for joining me today. Nice to join you. First thing first, you know, there's a lot of super interesting things we want to cover today, but maybe a quick background of your career or last few years and how did you end up in operations? Something that's always, I think, interesting for our audience to learn. So started my career, like a lot of folks in consulting, but I was a change the world kind of person. So I went to a political firm trying to do political campaigns in the US and internationally. Eventually I did some corporate work and ended up at a startup in San Jose doing a lot of the same work. Had a really good time, worked really hard, obviously, at the startup called Apogee. We did API management, now part of Google, which was how that story ended. <laughs> we went public, we had a good ride, and then got picked up by Google. I mean, it's funny, right? Google, you'd think that's sort of your your final stop. Like you can sort of kick your feet up and, and relax for a while. But I would go in for every day and feel a little uneasy. Things weren't things weren't quite right for me. And I just done a strength finder assessment, right? One of those pseudo personality tests, but it shows sort of your top five strengths for the name. And one of mine was restorative. And the restorative strength is about enjoying fixing things. Once I realized that, I realized why I was not so comfortable at Google. And it's because everywhere I looked, there were really, really good processes and really good answers to problems everywhere. Were there other things to work on? Sure, right? But it was very different from a startup environment where you look around everywhere and there's opportunity. So then I had an opportunity. So that I started looking around and um, I got a chance to look at being the first pricing lead here at Zendesk back when we were still growing much earlier and took that job. Pricing is, I think, inherently very operational, right? There's a lot of strategy in it, obviously, but you have to figure out how to make it work, how to get at the customers, all that. And then from there, I created the product strategy and operations team, which is now sort of three teams, a team we call core PSO, a team that is product operations, kind of, and then a team that is market intelligence. And so those are the three teams that I run now here at Zendesk. Wow. I, I've never heard about that leap from the strength. And this is great, actually, I think advice in general, you know, way to kind of reflect on what you're good at, but also you know, what do you enjoy, you know, and fixing things. It's a mindset, but it's also like a personality trait. And I 100% relate, by, by the way, personally, but I think a lot of folks in operations do as well. Maybe let's double click one more time into sort of the, the pricing effort and aspects of it. I think it's fascinating for me, you coming from like a world, you know, do good consultant gig, through a startup that get acquired by Google and all the all the flashiness and 
and obviously that and then and then going and working on something that I think most people don't understand the complexity that goes into pricing and you kind of you know set it as a, as, as a sub note that it's very operationally but I actually think it's worth double clicking for a second because I do actually see the connection and I wonder kind of how you would describe it absolutely and so the first thing like you Drawing together the the do good part is, you know, I think from the beginning, I wanted to do something that mattered. At Apogee, what mattered was, and it's it's a little technical, but it's basically, it's taking this world, this mess of APIs and providing this clean API management interface to provide security and make life easier for developers. That was important to me. But then I saw this, this opportunity at Zendesk Zendesk, for those who don't know, right, is a company that really started as customer service and has since expanded into conversations in general, right, across sales and service. We have millions of agents, right, who, who use our product every day. And we regularly get comments from folks about, you know, how, how glad they are to use Zendesk, how glad, how much better the experience is, how much easier it is to manage, right? It's a product that's built not just for the people who are buying it, but for the people who are using it as well. Not to mention the the customer who has some kind of problem every time they're trying to use it, right? Problem with the uh, the product, with the company, with the thing they're trying to solve. And so pricing then comes in because the price and the pricing strategy is sort of your reflection of customer value, right? It's, it's, it's how you position yourself in the market against competitors for the customer. And it's, it touches marketing, it is sales, it is product. Going into those interviews with Zendesk, I explained pretty clearly, like if they wanted to hire a pricing person who was, you know, who loved sort of the charts and supply and demand and, you know, market clearing prices that probably I wasn't the person for them, right? Because that for me is just the beginning. And it's really about what do customers value? How how do they value it? One thing I worked on, I've worked on for a long time here is sort of our bundling strategy. And our bundling strategy is not about just more things at a higher price, right? Like there are some companies that do that. For us, it's saying, what is the best way to get someone started? What are the features at different levels that get customers get going on a transformative customer service or sales experience and what's that worth we have always made available another option right we've always had a different path available just to go pick up sort of feature by feature product by product but you know going back to the operational part right sort of it's operations as a communication of value as a translation of what customers are looking for you mentioned Fixing things is a personality, right? It's sort of, it's a, it's a way of being. And definitely for me, I look for that. I've built a team around that. When I interview folks, I tell them that our team is purposely inefficient. I make one commitment to them, which is that they will work on important things. They will work on things that matter. The trade-off is that the project they're working on the previous day might have to be put on pause, right? Because it's not about completing every project. It's not about 
having a clear backlog on day one and full pulling it through by Friday and sort of saying, I completed these tasks. It's about saying to the company, we will always be with you on the most important decisions. We'll always be with you on the most important projects and we'll make sure this works, right? We'll make sure this, that the product team is able to deliver, that they have the information they need, that we have the right strategy. But, you know, for a company like Zendesk, we are hyper-focused on customer value and we're hyper-focused on making sure that our, the businesses that bet, bet their business on us are getting the best, right? And so that means that the important thing might change and we have to be willing to go with that. That makes us effective, if not always efficient. You know, what's amazing to me is that when we start talking about the pricing, or when I asked this question, you know, a second ago, I didn't actually expect us to get to this theme that, and I kind of want to hear your, your reaction to, that I found multiple episodes in the past on this same podcast from different people coming from completely different worlds, but all coming down to, you know, operation work, actually arriving at that, that sort of conclusion. And the way I sometimes talk about it is that different between being data-focused versus being people-focused or people-first versus data-first, right? And when you talk about value and value recognition for the customer is, is basically, again, this is what I'm hearing, is what is that person on the other side that recognizes the value? How do they see the world of, of what we do and, and you know, what, you know, what's the, that sort of transaction of goods looks like versus, as you, know, as you mentioned, when you usually go into pricing strategy and pricing you know, in the process of running, figure out pricing, you start with, okay, what is the data tell us? What is the, you know, what is the market uh, benchmark look like? And so on and so forth. And it's not to say that data is not important. It's the baseline. But you know the people aspect of it too, and even when you kind of went to talk about the purposefully inefficient, which I, which I found fascinating too, it actually came back to the same point in which what are the things that are high value, move the needle type of things that, that we can focus on, and versus focusing on the process as the end goal. I see the world in very in, in patterns, and to me that that fit. Am I missing something, or is or you would would you agree with this? No, oh, I think I think you're right. One of the, like the red flags that I sometimes see from operations teams is you know you ask them you know what kind of value you're delivering, why should you grow more, and they point to dashboards of you know we close all tickets within three days, we produced. 17 new dashboards, which was viewed by 600 people in this time. Very, very useful. To your point, important underlying data. But it shows me that someone's not thinking about, like, what's the purpose? What's the, what, what's the reason? Like, what, why do you exist? Right? It, because if those things that you're closing out are things that no one else could answer, and that were the things that were most important to the business at that point in time, Excellent, amazing, good, right? But that stuff needs to come out, right? Because the alternative is, you know, 
you can you can go through a whole bunch of requests and say no to all of them and close out the ticket the same way. Right? Like there, there's a there's a real thing under there around like what is it that you're doing? And there, again, there's ways to use data to get at satisfaction of your stakeholders, to get at how critical you are in the general function. But with my team, I often go through the process, right? I sort of like any operations person, I love, you know, pyramids and triangles in slides. And I often talk about the team, right? That where everyone we hire pretty much has to have some SQL experience, right? They have to be able to go into the database, pull the information and use it. But for a lot of teams, that's where the work ends. And for us, it's where it starts, right? So you, so maybe we see a trend and we see a trend saying people on a certain plan are churning more frequently than average. Then the question is why? What's going on? Are they large accounts? Are they small accounts? Are they staying with us for 30 days and then churning? Or are they staying with us for a year and a half and then churning? Right? Do we have any understanding about like how many problems they've had with us before this happened versus after? There's all these signals that then change the story entirely. Too often when you miss the people part, you miss that last layer. And the last layer can change, can change the story entirely. Okay, actually, I'll give you a quick, quick example. When we made a pricing change recently, we noticed that there was a plan in our pricing packaging that had very high churn. Right? And so it had a lot of folks who joined for a little bit, up to six months, maybe eight months, and then leave. And then we did the people part, which often starts with you know going into our CRM and looking at the accounts. So okay, who are they? Like, what's going on here? Look at the names. Sometimes saying like, you know, I when I see this name, I recognize it actually. Like it's a it's not a it's not a stranger. It's someone who popped up in the past. And what we realized is they weren't churning; they're upgrading. They were oftentimes creating kind of you know proofs of concept within our lower plan, and then buying a plan three, four, ten times more expensive, right? And so that that wasn't a story about people going in and naturally upgrading over time. That was a story of people needing longer trials and or needing the ability to kind of test things out and honestly being willing to pay a little bit to do that <laughs> because that's what they were doing in the plan, right? They're paying a little bit to be able to, to run their tests to, to test it out. And so we ended up changing things so that that plan was no longer around, but we made up for it in other ways. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. It kind of brings up two thoughts for me one is when you talked about you know the data in the sql which is you know the ability to query data for anyone that doesn't know what that means is just the baseline right and the next is okay what do you what do you do with it now like what you know what are you looking for like why is the data says x y or z and this example is a, is a very colorful i think for 
you know, for anyone, you know, in the business of subscription is how you kind of lose some, some sleep on thinking that, oh my God, this so much churn in that segment just to find out that it's actually an upsell in disguise, right? So very colorful example, but I do think it all comes down to that concept of, of that questions, right? It's like when you see that data, what are the questions that you need to ask? Connect back to that people first thing, but it's also, you know, almost in a way our advantage or core talent as people is that curiosity and ability to ask questions. I've, I've said it before on a different, on actually on a different podcast, but there's a quote I love from Picasso actually, where he's saying that, you know, computers are, are dumb. They can only provide answers, right? So they, they can't ask the question is the, is the subtext. They can provide answers, but they can't actually with the one asking the question. So the one asking the questions are the people. I think it's, it's a very colorful coming from the pricing. Would you say that this is actually true for any process or any you know actual business problem? Absolutely. I mean, I think that in our space, right, if you're listening to this and you're an operations leader and you're asking yourself, okay, I've created a new process to ingest information X, Y, Z, right? If you're focused on that, I guarantee you've built too heavy a process because what you're going to optimize for, you can optimize for gathering as much information as possible, right? And that is kind of unlimited, right? <laughs> you can keep going. There's always something more you want to know. It's infinite. Exactly. But if you ask yourself, for example, we have a pricing process, right? And so the goal of the pricing process is to get the information necessary to get a decision made as quickly and thoroughly as possible. So it's a balancing act, right? And whenever, when we started this back in 2017, the team and I, and we would look at the list of things like, do we need to know this thing? How many times will knowing this change our decision? And then the key there was iterating, basically just saying, we know this is not right. The question is not whether it's right or not. The question is, what's the next thing we do to improve it? And operating from that lens, you're able to make sure that you are delivering value because you're not optimizing for how much information can you possibly get or do you have every piece that you need? Rather, you are building a partnership with the person who's applying, who's going through the process and sort of trying to be as clear with them that you are trying not to be in their way. You are trying to make sure that their decision is good and is aligned with the rest of your strategy. And everyone I work with gets that, right? Like they don't want to launch something that's has bad pricing or that has the wrong feature set or that has the wrong marketing or right. And so it's a question of sort of, like you said, optimizing for the person, optimizing for the frame for Zendesk, right? We we are constantly optimizing for the agent, for the admin for the end user, for the sales rep, right? Because we know that that's where our differentiation matters, right? And so every everything that I do, I think my team does, can be boiled back down to that. And that's bring actually another important theme, which I think again, connects to everything you described, which is that concept of agile approach. Mm-hmm. Iteration, actually customer 
first or like you know user like in the in the original agile methodology for development it's about the end user and kind of get their feedback and when it comes to operation or agile operations is really about the people first or the you know customer first but then the iteration part of it that's great you know big part of this podcast is to talk about you know the future of operations what does it mean to be modern so i think it was really really enlightening concepts here from like how to approach this and you know the way you, you think about it and your team thinks about it let's touch on on technology for a second and how that enables right sort of like you talked about sql and that having that skill to people in your team folks in your team really helps you guys to be you know i'm assuming you know more empowered to do kind of the the, the stuff how, how do you see technology uh, as a tool for you guys how much do you rely on this would you think the future or the modern tech stack looks like for operation folks today so I'll answer the first part on the future right and I think it goes back to your Picasso quote that I, I agree with strongly which is sort of the future of not just business operations but I think of a business is letting humans do what humans are uniquely best at right it's the asking questions it's the having empathy it's the building and espousing values it's the understanding multiple collinear factors all at the same time right like i believe that ai is going to be very strong and very powerful i don't think ai will ever get to that level of things right what that leaves you then are tools and processes for automation, for connection, for quality and cleanliness, right? Early in my career, I had I had projects that were basically just staring at Excel sheets and going and cleaning. And I would dream about Excel. It was miserable. Machines can do that. And machines should do that. Zendesk has this great data infrastructure that's all based in, in BigQuery and basically Almost anything you want to know about a customer, you can get in there, right? You have to know some joins, but but it works. That's really powerful. It's really powerful to be able to ask, you know, okay, what about customers, you know, who have one left foot and like hopping up and down, right? Like what, what makes them different and what's their ARR and how does that affect things? The stack itself, I think, becomes less relevant, right? Like, but it's about systems like Zendesk, systems that connect, that connect the process, right? That connect the people. And then in the process, record the information, provide metadata, let you view the interaction through their through systems, and then ideally automate those and accelerate them and make, make them go faster and better, right? I mean, Zendesk is certainly focused on making sure that we can provide automated answers suggest macros, make the less human part of folks' job a smaller part of that job, right? And make it so that they can provide empathy and they can be human with the, with the person responding. And I think that's, again, I mean, this is about modern business operations and I think it does apply. <laughs> I think that like there's too many folks in business operations who end up spending their entire days in spreadsheets and 
uh, their entire days is just trying to get to clean data and or clean processes. Oh, I think it's 100%. Actually, it, it, a lot of operations folks are actually tasked with doing that for other processes too. So to handle and fix processes that the, the people within that process are suffering from what you're saying, where they're doing right. too many things that they shouldn't do. And then the operation team is the one that actually trying to figure out how to redo this process or the te- technology involved and what are the leverage points that, that you can use. So I think you're spot on. I think maybe a good a good place to end this is actually come back to the to the first point and kind of throw it back to you. You know, since you you moved into the operation world, you know, and, and several years in and having teams and 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 hiring new folks, what is that personality trait that you feel is 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 critical for someone to be in in an operational role and almost like a hint that maybe someone that is listening to it and is not in operation and feels like, oh, that defines me, then maybe they should look into, you know, into that type of career. Yeah, I, I think I, I found two, two distinct personas that I think tend, tend to do very well. The first is the one that I'm in, which is sort of the, the fixer, the fireman, if you will, right? The person who enjoys going in identifying what are the key levers of problems and then working with stakeholders to, to improve that and to get to a better place. The other, which is really important, is the, the planner, the systems thinker, right? The person who maybe doesn't want to jump into the fire, but can tell you how to prevent fires from happening in the future, right? Overarching all of this, I mean, going back to my you know, strengths finder assessment, like you need to know who you are. Because if you're a firefighter who's hired to do systems planning, you're going to have a tough time. And vice versa, if you're a systems planner who has to go in and fight fires, it's just not going to be fun for you. And it's not going to be fun for the company. And it's not going to be a good relationship, right? And so knowing who you are and then, you know, in my case, hiring for the other the other people, I think if they're listening, they know exactly who they are <laughs> because you know, it's it's folks who... Who wake up and you know, want to want to solve solve the overall issue, the root cause, right? Like they're not satisfied with the immediate problem. Now, without the firefighter, then it won't matter because it's all burned down. <laughs> and so <laughs> you you need to have both. I'm sure there's other traits that also work well within operations, but those are the two that I've seen pretty pretty universally across Zendas, kind of across other places that I've been that like. I can identify, okay, that person's like this and this person's like that. But it comes down to really knowing who you are, knowing what it is you want to do, knowing when you wake up, like what gets you excited? Because I think that there's a lot of opportunity for for doing that work, for doing those things within the operations world. Almost like almost like a firefighter is is more like the builder, the fixer, the maker, a person that you know is driven by that. And then the planner and, and, you know, strategic is like the architect almost of like, you know, trying to plan it. And I'm not an expert on, on you know, people, personalities type of diagram, but I'm sure, I'm sure those two are very well defined. Well, Pablo, that was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Maybe if anyone want to, you know, ping you, ask, you know, for advice or just chat, where, where can they find you? 
LinkedIn is probably the best place. I think I'm probably the only Pablo Kenny. I'm also at Pablo Kenny on Twitter. If you want to hear a mix of product thoughts, operations thoughts, data thoughts, of course, a little, a little politics and humor mixed in. Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Pablo. And thanks everyone for listening. My pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at Tonkin.com slash M-B-O-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes.